seconds till firing time. Mark. Fiverr. There is an untold Hollywood story about a musical prodigy whose work was showcased by countless music icons all around the world, but whose identity was not always revealed. His name was Russell Garcia, and his life story and legacy are truly spectacular. Today, I'm going to introduce you to his beautiful wife, Gina, and his granddaughter, Christy Corwin. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Yeah, thank you thank very you. much now we'll start i think with gina and i just want to tell the listeners this lady looks beautiful at 90 years of age it's wonderful to have you here and what a story and what a legacy your husband has left now to just build the framework of who this wonderful man was how did his musical life begin so who wants to take that one is it gina or christy well i only inherited secondhand, of course. Yeah. Um, when he was a child, they said at a very early age, he used to love to listen to the uh, broadcasting of the New York Philharmonic that came out to San Francisco and we're on the West Coast. And Russell was one of five sons and he was son number four. So naturally he would be closest to son number three. And that brother, brother Harry, noticed that this little kid, you know, was very unusual. He would go and wait anxiously, uh, they said, you know, for this music. It was usually needless to say classical, but they, uh, this brother Harry thought this kid must have some kind of talent. Nobody else, by the way, is musical in their family. So, but anyway, um, Harry was the one I think who probably encouraged him the most. And when, um, I guess when the time came and he could actually go to school, they found he actually could read music. You, you know, really? he'd never been taught, he actually could read music. So what age would you have began school? I mean, back then, would it have been five or six years of age, perhaps? Well, he would start school about six, but he would also had a, what do I call it? A musical, very musical ear that if he uh, actually could see it, he could sing it right off. So he said the music teacher at the school used to love to take him to demonstrate how easy it was, but they didn't realize that he actually hadn't learned it in school. 
it was a wonderful gift, I believe, that he had. And was he his parents musical? No, no, no. Not, not at all. So this is just a gift he was born with. He was like a, a pop prodigy because nobody else around was musical. That's amazing. Um, they said somebody back in the family, they don't remember who though, could play piano, but that wouldn't necessarily you know, mean that he, I believe he got the gift from the creator. That's, that's amazing. So he goes to school, he's showing this unusual musical ability and the music teacher has picked up on this. So what happens following that as he grows into teenage years, into adulthood? Well, he said the teachers at the music school noticed he was a little bit more unusual when it came to being able to remember. He had a wonderful musical memory and um, naturally he was very anxious to try <laughs> to um, read the music and write the music more importantly. And he said one teacher particularly as he got going in school, um, really noticed that he was a bit more unusual with his gifts. And he said to Russell, I think this would probably be in either what we would call junior high school or high school. And um, the teacher said, if you would like me to look at anything you wanna write, Russell, he said, I'd be happy to. And that's all. <laughs> Russell needed to hear. Yeah, he just he just he wanted to go with, ahead. Yeah. And his first, uh, I'm going to say, arrangement that he wrote, uh, I remember him saying this to Louis Armstrong when we were recording Louis at one of the studios in Hollywood. And Louis was so happy and so excited. <laughs> Russell said, you know, Louis, I learned how to really write music listening to your record of oh my me and my shadow. <laughs> oh Louis my goodness. A wonderful, wonderful person, a great musician, and can I say a wonderful sense of humor. Yeah, he, yeah. he even comes across like that, you know, when you listen to the old records of him singing, just, I get that sense that he was a lovely person. You know, he just had oh, that persona just oozing from him. So 
just before I go ahead, now in the publishing world of music, we have what we call ghostwriters and they literally put together biographies for celebrity style people maybe and the big publishing houses employ them to do jobs like that. Now what people might be aware in the music world, there's also ghostwriters. So how did Russell get into that frame of work? Oh, well, how he got into work is after university, he went on the road with a band. I mentioned Brother Harry. Uh, he brought home to Russell a beat up old cornet. It's, uh, it's like a trumpet. Yeah, you know, just the brass the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Russell taught himself to play on this instrument and he listened to records and then tried to write down what he was hearing and then test it, you know, to see if it was right or not. And of course, when he had this teacher who would help him, he, the teacher said to him, slow down, slow down. He said, you know, cause Russell was so anxious and eager to write, you know, anything he could hear. Yeah. And, um, and Russell said he was very grateful, particularly for that teacher who encouraged him. Yeah, just allowed him to spread his wings, musically speaking. Mm. So when you think of um, a young person, usually there is influences around them that's, you know, shapes them a little bit. So who would have been his influencers? Because usually if I'm listening to people describing their style, they'll say, oh, so-and-so influenced me or I was exposed to this style of music and I loved it and it really took to it. So in Russell's case, what would have been his, his influencers? or the style of music which he was most interested in? Well, in the beginning, as a child especially, they said he was very attracted to the symphony music that came from New York. Um, and would, that, would that be like relating to the old masters like Beethoven symphonies and Mozart yes, and all those yes. types? They, of, would, be, they okay. would be classical, Bach, yeah. Beethoven. Russell really taught me how to listen to music. You know how everybody has background music? Yes. We never yes. had that with Russell. We listened to music. Yeah. And when I have guests, they're very surprised that I'm not playing music. I said, because my dear darling taught me we listen to music. It's not background. Yeah. I know <laughs> when you, the more you dig into, you know, symphonies and the like i mean there's so much incredible detail with the instrumentation yeah. melody lines and how everything is arranged so um he's in his adulthood you said he traveled with a band and his brother yeah. was involved in that so what style of music was he experimenting oh, that, with i call it experimenting yeah. with perhaps actually it would be like the big dance bands you okay know? Like, so he uh, harry james was a famous big dance band i know he not only worked for Harry James uh, as a trumpeter at times, you know, in the band, but okay. he wrote the arrangements. And when he went on the road uh, with the band, I can't remember which was the first one offhand, but I could look it up for you if you would, you know, wanted. But um, what they do is they are booked clear across the country mm -hmm. and they have either a bus or they drive in automobiles from one gig to another. Sometimes they'd have to drive all night to make the next one in time because of the distance, you know, in America.
when I'm understanding Soys, he's got a strong understanding of classical music, the old classical masters, and now he's in this dance band scene. Now, when he I, goes, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say he started out with his little band in school. A few oh, other, you know, kids that were interested in, you know, being in a band. He actually used to write for them. So he got his very, and it wouldn't be like classical. They would be like a little school band, played mostly dance music when they were kids in school. Do you have recordings of this dance music? Do you have that in your archive? I don't know. I don't think I would have anything from way back, no. Yeah, yeah. Russ okay. was very humble about what he did, you know? He never well, thought. Well, that's the, that's the amazing thing. I mean, I find generally speaking that when you meet somebody who is into their art form in such great depth their whole focus and interest is in the detail of that art form the ego doesn't come into it they just it, it's just not a consideration um, I, i'm quite sure he never did think thought he that, that he was doing anything unusual it just came so natural to him yeah yeah it was just yeah. i'm gonna say very natural for him. Yeah, just was a gift, you know? just was a God-given gift. Oh, definitely, definitely yeah. a gift. And when people would say, Russell, how do you write music? Well, he would say, well, all I need is a piece of music paper <laughs> and a pen or a pencil. And I sit down in front of the paper with my pen or pencil and I write what I hear. So he actually heard this and he, he told me once, he said, you know, sweetheart, until I was fairly old, I thought everybody heard music that he could write down. You know, he thought everybody could do that. He didn't realize that it was, it was special. Yeah, it was special. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that was very good. That may be what kept him, I'm going to say, uh, very humble. Very yeah, humble kept him about. grounded in a way, I suppose. You could say it that way. Yeah. Kept him grounded. Yeah. Now, he had a very strong spiritual faith. And I, I find that the more I interview people on this podcast, I, I dig into the spiritual element because I'm fascinated anyway by the spiritual element. But he was a member of the Baha'i faith. And part of that Baha'i faith, by what I believe, is that there is just this pacifist side. There's this deep discussion about bigger picture of life, what it all means, um, to put it simply. So would you say that was a great influence on him as well? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. In, in fact, the fact that we took off in a sailboat at the peak of his career, our motivation for that was we had to do it while we were still young enough mm -hmm. because uh, first of all, neither of us were sailors. We had oh to learn. God how to do <laughs> everything on a boat. So hang on, what, what ages were you at this point when you went sailing? Well, he was 50, but he was still very fit. And yeah. I was about 35, I guess. Oh he was about 15, 16 years older than I was. Okay. There's a real cute story about how <laughs> when I met him and we kind of had a very interesting experience because he had stopped playing in bands and now was in Hollywood and was mostly writing. That was his real love. When it comes to like 
writing music for a dance band because of the ability he had. He had a great ability that a lot of excellent composers don't have. He could listen to a recording and tell you what every instrument was playing by writing it down for you to, to see. And when, yeah, it was in, very incredible to be honest. And he had a very uh, big reputation about doing that in Hollywood. Right, okay. That he could actually um, listen to the recording. He could listen to the recording and write it down. Okay. Know. So I suppose that encouraged people to come to him then looking for transcriptions. And how did this whole idea of ghostwriting begin? Where did that stem out? Oh, I have from? no idea how that is, but it's been going on <laughs> and still goes on. No, but specifically, years. specifically to Russell's story, when did he start ghostwriting for, I presume, movies and that kind of thing? Well, it would, would be anytime somebody needed something that they couldn't, didn't have the time to do. So um, when he was settled in Hollywood, that, that, that was when that took place? Well, actually, he, he was writing. Sometimes he got credit, but mostly not. Okay. You know, because he was writing for composers who got the job, but were unable to for various reasons, not to meet <laughs> the deadline when yeah. the orchestra was hired and there was no way out of it. And they had to produce the music and they knew they could count on Russell. He didn't drink, you know, much yes. alcohol in yeah. those days, actually. Eventually, neither of us drank much alcohol. Yeah. And then we just gave it up entirely, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a, a question of the guy who had the job maybe was not able to either because he was had a hangover you know? I know the way it goes it's, it's i don't i don't it's really life. know yeah it's life but he he was there helping out in the in the background of of movies and that kind of thing of they movie all composition. knew him yeah yeah they all yeah. knew him that he had this wonderful ability to be able to do good music mm. and to do it quickly So many a night he didn't sleep when he was doing ghostwriting because it was usually a last 
minute a last thing. minute sh- task often often yeah. yeah because they were all very gifted and talented but not everybody could take off the recording and that's what hollywood film studios knew him for especially that he was so all round yeah he could transcribe so in other words he was able to tra- do transcriptions he was able to write music right. he yeah. yeah he had he had it all and, basically and the gift the gift that he had made him always be wanted by orchestras who were doing the tours all around america and that was because he could play trumpet in the band and write the arrangements as well so how so many was, instruments how many instruments did russell play he learned to play on every instrument and when i said well, why did you have to you know do that well he said i couldn't play necessarily professionally on them but i had to know how to write for them he knew the usually, ins and outs of the instruments yeah, yeah usually you can tell a beginning um i'm going to say a person who's into music um when they first write an arrangement they can actually not know enough That's excuse right. me enough about the instrument and they'll write the instrument actually uh, like in the arrangement what they can't play because it's not on the instrument the notes i understand I, yeah like yeah. you know you've got these transposing <laughs> instruments and then you've got all these you know skills and techniques to write into yeah. the score yeah i understand that's so you had to know what the range was for example yeah. of what you the instrument you're going to write for but he learned to play all of them so he could write well for all of them so when was his peak period um i'm just thinking like we're now in 2022 so what kind of period are we talking of here in terms of decades christy would you have any idea there um i think he was first sort of his first big being discovered was was it i think it was in the 40s on the ronald reagan radio show called, uh the great america or something uh and um that was the first but then you know he became on staff at universal uh and and gina can share the story that was through henry mancini um and uh once he became on staff there he became well known with all the studios and when universal wasn't as busy he would do work at all of them mgm and warner brothers and disney and all of the studios and he was he became known as the go-to guy like when somebody like she mentioned i'm thinking you know, of time period so if he was discovered on the radio yeah. in the 40s you're you're talking he was really going to be active then in the 50s the 60s the 70s oh, definitely yeah that was like yeah. peak period for him yeah. yeah so um what would be some of his famous compositions that um people might know of I well think. i will say well it's the film the time machine that he wrote back in the 60s yeah i still get royalties from the time machine and atlantis the lost continent
from all around the world. People and that went everywhere. That, yeah, they loved both of those two movies, particularly The Time Machine. They really... Uh, it just hit a nose. It Let's just hit a nose with people. Yeah, and these, these were people who would write what I'll call a fan letter to him and say, I saw The Time Machine when I was 10 and I've become a great fan of yours. I try to watch every film, every TV show that you're writing music for, which is very uh, wonderful. Oh, fantastic. They, they didn't know him at all, yeah. you know, but yet they were so thrilled with yeah. his music. But so isn't it just an illustration of how music transcends language, it transcends borders, that people just get the sound if it resonates with them and they respond? It's, oh, it's, an it's an incredible art form, really, when you break it down in those terms. Now, Christy, just to speak about two of his textbooks. Now, I get the impression that these are very important textbooks because you mentioned to me before some time ago that these two textbooks he wrote entitled The Professional Arranger Composer Books 1 and 2 are used in universities and they're basically a foundation, if you will, of composition if I'm correct. I haven't actually seen them yet. Can you just tell us more about those books and how they came to be? Well, I'll start by talking about kind of uh, about the books and then I think Gina should share how they came to be, if that's okay. okay. Yeah, perfect. So they're being used in universities worldwide and they're, they're in six or seven different languages now. And they are the most comprehensive uh, book for composers and arrangers. And most composers and arrangers that I come across, which is quite many, um, they refer to him as the master of composing and arranging because they all learn from those books, which is truly magnificent. And um, there are four uh, composers who actually endorse book two, which is Henry Mancini, John Williams, Quincy Jones, and I believe it's Bill Holman. Mm -hmm. And um, actually Russell taught John Williams composing and arranging. When John Williams was 16 years old, he used to come to their home, their house on Mulholland for lessons. But Gina, why don't you share about how she was part of actually how these books came into being and, and she can share about how she used to type. She typed on the typewriter the books initially. Yes, so we, we didn't even have a typewriter. We had to hire one. <laughs> really to hire a typewriter. Oh my goodness. Those are the days, yeah. as they say. Yeah. We hired a typewriter. And the reason why was because Russ was asked to be a an instructor at this um, Westlake School of Music 
that had started up in Hollywood. And um, he thought, well, now what am I gonna teach these? You know, they were all not like young students. Most of them were already musicians. You know, some were already writers, some were just playing musicians and wanted to learn. Uh, so it, he thought, well, now how is the best way to get these ideas across. So he started to make what I'm going to say, like an outline about what he might say. And um, this outline, I had to do on a mimeograph after I had typed it, you know, in the old days, yeah. And um, we were just using it then at the school, but everybody who got a copy of it told somebody else about it. And pretty soon, especially when a university got it, I, we'd send them one copy because they were curious, what is it going to be like? And then I'd get an order for a hundred copies. For oh the my order. goodness, a hundred copies. And, and that was a little tough on me because- I'm sure. Yeah, all of that. Needless to say, even to get it to the <laughs> post office to ship, you know, so. But that's how it originated was on a mimeograph machine and all the guys at the school, uh, a lot of them, by the way, were um, musicians. Uh, some of them were um, musicians before they went in the army and had to fight in the war. And when they came back as veterans, they were given allowances to go to study music. And really? so that's how, it's, yeah. And of course, Russell also was in the army, in the infantry, would you believe, um, back in those days as well. Yeah. yeah. And he got out of the army because he was a trumpet player. They were looking for a trumpet player to help play in the army band. That's yeah. how he got <laughs> so he got out of active duty, if you will. He was more into the music side. Yeah, I actually, you know, the standard of the army bands are stunning. I was looking at it recently um just to see how those army corps perform i mean it's they, they are musicians they can do it oh, oh definitely yeah they can really actually, do a good job yeah i think actually russell thought when he was drafted because of all the music he had done by that time that um what's the right word that they would put him in a band with yeah. you know the amount he had done but it was just before the battle of the bulge and he was just anybody that could stand up and hold a rifle. They shipped him out to that, uh, you know, terrible time. He oh, survived it. Good for him. I mean, there's nothing worse than war. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why also Russell was so um, well, against war, where man has to, you know, be killing each other. And, um, he was a very gentle human being, very kind. Kids adored him. Children all around the world loved him. Yeah, and you have a story to tell about that, but we won't get there yet. Now, just before I leave the topic of these textbooks, if people are interested in getting their hands on these textbooks, because there might be listeners to this podcast that are kind of going down the route of composition or they want to, you know, start writing their own music or whatever. Where can these textbooks be purchased? Do you have a website or? 
Christy, you can fill them in on how they can get the, the books. Yes, we're, we're in the process of updating the website to include the purchase of the books on the site. It's not there yet, but they can send me an email and I can certainly um, arrange to get them the books. Okay, so we'll put, we'll put those yeah. details in, in this episode's um, show notes and so people can reach out to you should they need them. Great. Yeah, now, just when you look at Russell Garcia's style, um, I hear dance band, I hear army, I hear classical music, the old masters, of course, which were huge back in those days, the 40s, 50s, 60s and so forth. When you move into the 70s and there was a lot of change in society then, did his style change when society changed or did he just hold his own or was it dependent on what job he got? For example, Universal or wherever else? Well, he was very versatile when it came to music. And there's an album uh, called, I think it's called Four Horns and a Lush Life, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but nevertheless, it, it does exist where Russell used classical music techniques of the tone row system, uh, but for jazz. And um, they, they just, it blew their minds, these guys you know because most of the guys were he was a true uh, a true innovator of, oh yeah of being innovative kind of uniting classical with jazz and creating his own style and so he was really an innovator of, of big band and classical and jazz in his own way <laughs> Would you say he kind of broke through some new thresholds when you say he was an innovator and maybe influenced future generations of composition? Yes, I would definitely say so. Yes. Especially with his album Fantastica was the very one of the probably the first sci-fi type of music, which was the inspiration for them wanting him to write the music score for the time machine. Okay. So these are the kind of things he would do that were very unique. And where can people listen to his music? I mean, we'll play some on this podcast, obviously, for this episode. But like if they want to just learn more about Russell Garcia, his musical style, um, to maybe get inspired by this amazing man, where can they get his music if it's still available? Well, I can say that I've had requests 
for his music, you know, by bands all around the world, actually. Um, all the stuff that we do have, we, we shipped from here to America, three huge crates <laughs> full of music of Russell. Sorry, I... Sh- I should just say here to the listeners, sorry for cutting across you, but I should just say to the listeners here that Gina is in New Zealand and Christy is in America. So um, when Gina references shipping crates, she's referencing taking all that music from New Zealand over to America, which is a big deal, I'm sure, to keep it safe. Please continue, Christy. Please continue. I was just going to say, if people wanted to research more about him and his music, You can find a lot of his music on YouTube and also Google. So Googling and YouTube, you're able to get uh, quite an extensive list. He also, not only did he write arrangements for Louis and Ella with Corgi and Bess, but also Mel Torme and Francis Day, that version as well. So amongst hundreds of TV shows and films, uh, that he wrote for that we we have access to. You know, right. So I go ahead. Yeah. I just could add that here all the recordings that I have of all kinds of things he did for singers and different you know professional people. Um, I had them all put onto CDs, and I've got about a hundred of those CDs as well as the old recordings because. We were told the old recordings, you know, are not going to hold up. But I have to say, <clears throat> uh, it was very wonderful because it's uh, it's a whole different approach to it when they're doing the LPs. You know, when they first came out, it was like <laughs> magic for anybody who loved music. Oh yes, this was an album where Johnny Green was the uh, person who had written wonderful songs and Russell was the arranger for this album. So we're back in New York and we're with, uh, well, a lot of musical people, but one of them happened to be Dave Cap. Dave Cap had the Cap Recording Company. And while we were there at this big, do, uh, Dave said to Russ, hey Russ, why don't you write me uh, an album? And Russell said, I'd be happy to. Uh, He said, do anything you think you might like. Well, what happened was Russell got this wonderful idea about going into space. And I even uh, wrote uh, like a little trip to the different Uh, what I call the planets that we were going to. And uh, so it became kind of a real fun project. And this uh, album, he only did like four pieces, recordings of four pieces of material, sent them back to Dave to see what he thought. And Dave said, gee, Russ, it's all uh, good. He said, but I was hoping 
you would write something like uh, Leroy Anderson, Russell said, if you wanted something like that, you should have told me. He said, I'll tell you what, Russ knew that there was something very special with what he had done. He said, you send them back to me, he said, and don't worry about, you know, paying for any of the recordings. You just send them back. And as it turned out, Russell went to another record company with what he had done with these four pieces and they bought it immediately. And that was how Fantastica, the album, came into to play. And the, that company was called Liberty Records and it did very, very well, the, the album. So, well, it, 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 was, it was actually a, a bit unusual. And I have to add that, you know, the sound effects that we can do today on the computers, we couldn't do that back then. Russ had to come up with everything creative and he wrote these things in the score, like you write an instrument. So it was a very, very creative work. And when he finished the album completely, that's when it got the title of Fantastica. It's a wonderful album. If you could get nothing else, get that one. And then there's the time, time machine music. And um, those are some, some of our Porgy and Best. Uh, you know, those are some of the, the ones that he's most known for, if you want to include mm. those. Yeah. Now, that's the first episode of the Russell Garcia story today and um, we'll finish this episode here and we'll continue the story in episode two and again all the references concerning music and where you can get the textbooks we'll put in the show notes of this episode so it's a very inspiring story because i know that if um you're in the zone of composition or you're in the zone of study and you're studying different composers in the 20th century russell garcia is a name that should be looked on or should be looked up i should say um because it sounds like he had a big influence behind the scenes so a pleasure to have you both on today and we'll speak to you in the next episode thank you thank you so thank much thank you very much